This episode of the Play Too Much podcast is brought to you by Cinema Under the Influence, serving up classic film pairings with a boozy twist. In November, they're taking you down to Chinatown with a screening of Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler. They'll be pairing this time this movie with a reel of classic wrestling matches and promos at the Downtown Community Television Center, located at 87 Lafayette Street. For date and ticket information, hit them up at cinemaundertheinfluence at gmail.com. Now let's get on to the Play Too Much podcast. Hello! Welcome to the Play Too Much podcast. I'm Mark, sitting here with Alana, and we're here to discuss all things music. Hello! <laughs> uh, it's been a fun couple of weeks. Uh, we've thrown some parties, shot some sessions, launched a new website. If you haven't checked it out yet and you are listening to this podcast, you have to go right this second. We'll wait. Cool, right? So to kick things off, we're going to talk about an amazing artist named Kadia Bonet. Kadia is a Los Angeles-based artist who recently released an EP called The Visitor, which you can pick up on Bandcamp. Her song Honeycomb is this trippy, funky, jazzy tune that is totally mesmerizing. Anyway, our very own Nestor David Pastor got to chat with her for an exclusive Play Too Much interview, which we're going to play for you right now. says you were born in 1784. So my question is, how did you manage to lay low for so long? Oh, man, I've only been in this like realm of the universe for a few years, so it's uh, pretty easy. So what made you come out of hiding? I had some music I needed to share to get off of my heart, and so I just decided to uh, start plugging away at that. So what's your background like as a musician? I started playing string instruments when I was five. I um, started taking classical violin lessons and viola is uh, a close cousin. So that was also part of the program. And then I left music to kind of explore some other options like competitive sports and film. And then neither of those things panned out the way I, I thought they would. And I came back to music begging and crying and <laughs> took you back. Uh, yeah it took me back luckily and uh, I started teaching myself guitar and flute and singing um, and then that brings you to current day was writing songs something before or is that still kind of new um it has I started writing songs for you know voice like halfway through college so it's been about four or five years for me of, of writing songs. But before that, the only compositions I had were for um, string instruments. Any main influences you want to talk about? I think that, you know, part of my being born in 1784 is that I was born into classical music. My strongest influence, no matter how much, how hard I would try to shake it, has always been classical music. It's in my muscle memory. And then, you know, of course, coming to other styles of music later in life, soul and jazz and those other massive genres is like those are like second or third languages, you could say, you know, but classical was always the first. I guess about the EP, could you kind of walk me through the process, what it was like recording that? Um, these are all songs that I've written the last, I guess, two years. 
I've I had like accumulated lots of, of songs and I had gotten really frustrated with uh, the speed of production. I think I was kind of always waiting for something to save me from myself in a way, waiting to get some kind of massive funding coming in to like help me create my vision. So making this EP was like this just kind of throwing that all out the door and being like, actually, I'm a capable individual and <laughs> I can... I can do enough on my own that I can still carry out my own vision. So it was a really empowering process. Me and my best friend just kind of like hit out for a few months and uh, recorded everything. Uh, had our good friend Tomer on drums. Um, my friend Itai Shapiro is the person who, who produced along with me. And that was in L.A. or? Yep. In LA. I noticed like you and Itai have like a pretty good working relationship. So I was just wondering how that collaboration got started and how you guys work together. Yeah, we work really well together. Um, he lets me do whatever the fuck I want, which is <laughs> awesome. And yeah, he's really talented, both musician and technician. So it's very mutual. It was just sort of as soon as we had a meeting of the minds like and talked about our musical influences and aspirations and all of that, it was like from day one, it was like, all right, it's you and me, like, let's go. You know, we didn't have to, like, beg each other to get in the studio or something. Well, you're on Berlin Times, so you're probably yeah. in Berlin. How, how's, how's that going? Berlin is cool. There's so much, so much going on here, all on top of each other. Like, any street you walk down has so much stuff happening all the time, even more so than L.A. because it's so spread out. And to me, rivals the New York lifestyle. It's really inspiring. I was warned when I came here that I would probably not do anything and like become a vegetable like so many people who move here or something because I just, I guess, party and do drugs. But I told my friend I hate people and I hate drugs. And uh, she said it'd work out for me. Okay, so that was David's interview with Katya Bonet. To find other great interviews, performances, and reviews, check out playtoomuch.com. Also, we want to give a big shout out to our friends over at Astoria Soundworks, who recently let Alana and I use one of the rooms to jam out in which is impressive because neither of us are musically gifted, so we should probably apologize to everyone that works there. Uh, speak Check it out. for yourself. I am speaking for both of us. Isn't that neat? No, it's not. I want the sun. I want the sun on the face because it's the one, the one to keep me warm at night and during the day because that's when it's shining bright. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, uh, I'll be at the Grammys this year. All you have to do is start at Astoria Soundworks. Visit AstoriaSoundworks.com. The Hotline Bling video came out this week. What did you think of it? I thought it was beautiful and funny. Funny how? Funny how? I mean, what's funny about it? Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. Oh, oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? 
Drake just like dances the whole time. Like the whole video, he's just dancing by himself. And I think it was, it's funny because like he's not dancing well, but it's just like, it's kind of commendable that uh, he can like, you're just focused on him the entire time and you're not like, I mean, this is for a Drake fan, obviously not for you, Mark. I'm not saying anything negative. But like, because I don't ever plan on watching it. This is the same thing as like when I saw him in concert. His most recent tour, he's just on stage alone the whole time, and that's I think even more impressive because that's for obviously longer than four minutes, and you know people are coming to see you, but it's hard to just be the only person on stage. Like even when I do stand up, I'm like, oh man, they're just going to be looking at me for 10 minutes. So it was just like beautiful the way, I mean, I was talking to a friend about it after and he was like, yeah, it was a great like early 2000s uh, Apple commercial, which is very true because that's what they looked like. But it was, it was great. It's such a good video. All right. <laughs> what happened I'll take in your, your word for it. What happened in your music world? I went to a special concert slash tour. I hate saying concerts. It makes me feel like I'm like 90. Um, I went to see Korn's 20th anniversary tour at the oh. Irving Plaza in New York City, and it was fantastic. They played their first album in its entirety from start to finish, in order, everything, sound effects and all. And it's probably one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, and it was awesome to see some of the songs that I'd never seen them play live, play live, because I've seen them probably 15 times, so wow. I've seen them play a lot of those songs, but there was some special little nuggets in there, and it was a good time. I only remember, the only thing I remember about Korn is that they scared the shit out of me, and they had that video with the bullet going through everything. Freak on a Leash. Probably yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the best videos of all time. Ironically, because it's so successful, the video, that's one of my least favorite songs of that album, so it's weird that that's the song that uh, made it big. Did you have like full hearing after the concert? I did. I wear earplugs now. Oh. It's funny. I would say everybody that's around my age, which is old, was wearing earplugs because we've been to so many shows. And You're not that old. I know, but you feel old in some of these concerts. But I think you actually At hear- a corn concert? Sorry, I keep interrupting you. Yeah, I mean, you. think about it. It's the 20th anniversary. So a lot of people that have been listening to them for like 20 years. So they're, you know, at least 30, I would say. I guess. But um, I think you hear better at concerts with earplugs in because it takes out a lot of the white noise from instruments. But don't you, wait, what? If you're at like a concert where there's instruments and not a Drake concert, because there's no musicians at a Drake concert, you actually, there's a lot of white noise that goes with an entire band playing at once. So the earplugs take out a lot of the white noise and you just hear the musicianship a lot of it. For your information, I've been to several rap concerts that were equipped with a full band. Oh yeah, like who? So suck a dick. Suck a Um, dick. Kendrick Lamar, Kanye West. Um, No, I think Drake does... Perform with a DJ. J. Cole had a band, um, and they were beautiful. I'll take your word for it. We're going to kick it to Chris, who recently spoke to the amazing JoJo Abbott during her performance for our Color Station session. Her voice is so powerful, and her session was absolutely incredible. Maybe the best things I've ever seen done in an apartment. You can check out her latest release, Fifi Awatu, on Bandcamp. And here's Chris. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, and I got David here too, man. How you doing? I'm good. Hi, David. Your EP is absolutely incredible. Thank you very much. Um, so, so what? How did that come about? How did your EP come about? Um, in terms of the resonating theme for the EP, um, I went back to Ghana a couple of years ago 
and visited a slave fort in Keta with my partner who's Danish and his parents and you know going through this fort and being told about you know how my ancestors essentially had been sold into slavery by my boyfriend's ancestors well that kind of made things a little bit awkward but at the same time you know I came to appreciate how far we had come as a people um, but also of course acknowledging how how much further we could go in our connection to each other. Um, so this kind of brought up the story of Fifia Oto. So Fifia Oto really is, you know, the tale of um, a young Ewa woman who has this forbidden exchange with a colonial master's son. And, you know, the price she pays is, you know, a loss of her freedom. And in Lelele, you get that. She's sold into slavery. And in Pilolo, he is killed. Um, so he loses his life, she loses her freedom. And you know, that's what this first half of this project is about. Um, it's incredible, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, so what was that experience like for you? I mean, obviously going with your partner and, and his family or, you know, must have been crazy in itself, but you know, did you find yourself doing a lot of research after that, like like digging a lot um, into it? Yeah, matter? I think it was, you know, I've always been fascinated more so not in the numbers and the history as much as the personal contact and you know spending time in Denmark and spending time in Ghana and realizing that we had almost kind of boxed up the past and put it away um, never to be spoken of on totally. either ends was quite interesting to kind of discover but also to feel that tension still existing between us and them and I say us and them you know what I mean. Um, now was interesting because no one can actually tell you why it exists, but you know why it exists. So that kind of changed my perspective um, in my interaction with, with Danish people. Um, but yeah, I think it, I didn't really do, I did research, but I wanted to kind of see if we acknowledged our past, um, if we acknowledged the difference if we acknowledge the growth. And really this EP is to provoke. It's meant to be a provocative project to see if it actually stirs up a conversation or a, an acknowledgement of what happened. And one thing that I did discover was um, that a lot of the words that we have in Ewe are actually adaptations of Danish words. So, you know, things like um, fork, knife, um, you know, they're all Danish words that we've kind of adapted and we speak the same language in wow. a weird way. Yeah. Um, so this person that I had met thinking was, you know, he's from a whole nother continent. We have nothing in common. Sure. You know, I find we have way more in common than, yeah. you know, we realized. Yeah. Yeah. Did, you, did you guys meet in the States? We met in Ghana. Wow. <laughs> that's yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's absolutely, so that's absolutely do you kind of have like the second half mapped out in terms of the story that you want to tell? Yeah, we, um, so she's basically sold into slavery and the experience continues on the West End. Um, and in this second half of the EP, she really delves into more of a critical standpoint when it comes to the West and the, you know, the culture and the law and the ways of the West from the perspective of an African who's come from uh, a more cultural cultural law space versus um, 
here where it's a lot of written law, um, tra you know, traditional law, cultural law versus um, written law. So, you know, she kind of takes her experience coming from a very cultural home and looks at the West through that lens and is very critical. Whereas in, you know, in the first half, she's more of a victim. In the second half, she almost regains her power and has a stronger voice. What were you listening to when, when, when you were making the record? Um, I was actually listening to a lot of Seed. Um, they're a, an awesome reggae band from Germany. And it's, it's interesting because I don't even know why I was listening to them, but I love um, Seed. So I was listening to a bunch of that. Um, Any album in particular or...? Just a ton of their music. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the boldness of their music, so I was listening to a, a ton of that. But also just trying not to listen to too much of anything where I you know, wouldn't have my own voice. I, I needed to explore my voice on this project because it was the first body of work I was going to put out. So vocally and in terms of like creating the tracks, we did everything from scratch. We had um, six studio sessions, each running from about four to eight hours. That's all I could afford. And we created every single beat and wrote every single li lyric from bottom up in six sessions. That's amazing. Um, who, who is we? Oh, myself and a Danish producer called Jonas Rembo. Cool. Um, so we did that in Denmark. And now I'm in New York, you know, creating beats for the second half with Peter Matson, who's here with me today. Amazing. Hey, Peter. How's it going? Hey. Yeah, cool. <laughs> cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the songs you guys have been playing tonight are, are, are beautiful and brilliant, and the arrangements are absolutely incredible. Um, would you guys mind playing one more song for us? Absolutely. We don't mind at all. Cool. cool. Let's do it. I'm going to do Lele.
Our show today's podcast is brought to you by Cinema Under the Influence and a Story Soundworks. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at We Play Too Much. Do it to it. Oh, my handle is at Alanasaurus. I L A S A U R R R U S. That just rolls right off the tongue. You can follow me at Shankletown. I'm not going to spell it. I'd rather you just have to look it up. See you later. Word to your mother. Dun, 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 dun.